You're listening to episode 235 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season four of TNT's The Librarians. And it's one of those Skype-alicious nights here. So this is, uh, I guess we couldn't figure out whether it's take three or take four, but. I'm not sure. It might be four. I don't know. It's one of those. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Skype is being a little wonky. So, uh, you know, we'll give it a shot. All right. Yeah, got a little bit of snow here, about a quarter of an inch on my grass. But yeah, little tiny, tiny to, bit. Well, it's funny because being in Buffalo just a couple of days ago, and you know they got snow up there, and like you 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 wake up in the morning, it's already off the streets and everything, and it's you know no one misses a beat, especially like a, a dusting like we got here. It's, it's it doesn't affect life at all but uh here in maryland you know that little bit of snow and you know schools they weren't closed but you know we were delayed and everything so well and, and you wonder you know here in carroll county because i woke up about maybe seven o'clock seven fifteen, and the and the streets were already clear and then two or three more times i hear this like grinding out in the road and there's the <laughs> snow plow i'm like i guess they don't have anything better to do or if they go back to the shop maybe they'll make them do something they don't want to do so i don't know but regardless my direct tv guy came today and fixed my satellite and i'm back in action but yeah it's really the important thing well you know it's funny it's one of those reasons that i i've resisted getting everything on comcast because i have you know, Xfinity, Comcast, Internet, and I've been very pleased with it. And I've kept my direct TV because I guess I feel like, well, if I get TV on Comcast and it goes out, then I'm screwed. Right. Although, as I'm sure you know, and probably every listener that's checking out the podcast knows, for a lot of things, you can still access it on your computer as long as you have internet access. Of course, I guess you wouldn't have internet access if it, if it went no. down. So anyway. No, now, no, 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 no. The two different, two different things. Your, right, your but I'm saying. Your TV, so. Well, oh, true, true. But anyway, I, I want to stop talking about that because I'm just inviting bad juju to come. Yeah, in. yeah. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to invite disaster. Well, don't say anything yeah. optimistic. If you just say like 10, you know, negative things, I think you'll probably be Okay. Okay, well, all I was going to say is that if I had to choose, I could have TV or internet. Uh, of course, I'd take the internet every time. Mm. So. Yeah, probably, because you can get TV over the internet. Right. So, all right, well, anyway, before we go anyway. too far on that tangent. <laughs> this uh, pointless discussion. Uh, yeah, so, you know, send us an email, sci-fi-tv-rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave a voicemail. Record your own audio clip if you'd like to do it that way. Tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And as always, encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. You know, I'm not going to do this every week, but a quick plug for the Patreon page. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, go to the website, Sci-Fi TV Rewatch.podbean.com, and you'll see the Patreon link over on the right. Or you can just go to Patreon.com slash Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And I want to send out a thank you to our newest patron, and that's Dan LaRock, who, of course, has supported the podcast through the years with a lot of great feedback. I think he was back even – see, I can't remember whether he was 
uh, back with Lost Girl or when he joined it, he was saying he didn't really care for Lost Girl, right? but that he it's was into everything things. else. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. But anyway, Dan, thank you for supporting us. And then, of course, our other patrons, Fred from the Netherlands, Mike Jacobs, and Kenneth Pricer, continued thanks for your support. So, yep. on to the librarians. On Dude, uh, you're you're up to date. I, I'm looking at my DVR. I was like, "Crap, we're up to episode ten already in real time." So there's only two more to go. Are you up to okay. date? Yeah, yeah. I, I I was panicking there for a moment because I hate when the last show sneaks up on you when you're just like, "Hey, was that just the last?" <laughs> you know, because um, that kind of happened with me with uh, um, American Gods. I had looked on, so I, I got the DVD of American Gods for Christmas. I had looked on IMDb and saw that there were 16 episodes. So I was exper- expecting 16 episodes. I think we actually had just had recorded. You're like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I going to go watch some American Gods, you know? And I get up and uh, I realized that the, the night before I'd watched episode eight, which is the last episode of season one that I guess IMDb must have put on the, you know, eight episodes of season two as well. And I was just like, oh. what? <laughs> so, well, uh, yeah, that that's happens. how I was with Stranger Things, you know. Uh, season two was about to be released, I think, in a week, and I binged season one, and fortunately, I didn't have to wait for season two. So, right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, Librarians in the Silver Screen. This is episode four of season four, written by Noah Wiley. And this is his second. He wrote 306, Trial of the Triangle. Directed by Jonathan Frakes, and this is his ninth Librarians episode that he's directed. But he also directed the episode that Noah Wiley wrote during the third season as well. Okay. And this one yeah. aired oh, Commander Riker gets, uh, you know, gets the call a lot for Librarians. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> December 20th, 2017. You know, I mean, we had a few guest stars, although to be honest, I didn't really recognize any of them. I mean, they looked sort of familiar. But the one, Gloria Rubin, who played Jade Wells, the yes. owner of the theater, right. uh, she was in Mr. Robot yes. and Falling Skies and, and had you know relatively uh, lengthy runs in both of those series. Yeah, so, she's, uh, still, she's still on um, Mr. Robot. She oh, has, okay. But she just, she's the psychiatrist, Krista. Because so, you saw season one, right? I saw season one. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, she's the psychiatrist and she is, her role is lessened because he's not going to her as much as he did in season one, but she's still in it. I I believe she's in last season, at least one episode. So. Okay. But, uh, yeah, she was great here. Um, she's a great actress. Before we get going, I mean, just, uh, what'd you think of this one? You know, I liked it. I, I like meta episodes like this, you know, that, um, where you have the you know the characters inside the story know that they're part of a story and things like that. So, um, and the homages to uh, you know film noir to uh, you know B movie westerns to B minus C <laughs> sci fi movies. Uh, it, it was just really cool. It was uh, definitely a. Uh, if if you're a fan of movies, then then I think this was uh, especially if you're a fan of like older movies or you know, B movies, and then, which I'm not necessarily, but you could still see that uh, I was able to appreciate the uh, those elements in it. Yeah, I, I really like this. I, I'm not sure I'm going to keep 
the minus. I may get rid of it by the end of the episode, but I, I really like this one. And uh, I mean, I, 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 for everything you said, I, I certainly agree. I mean, I love the whole film within a film, play within a play, a little nod to sh- Shakespeare's Hamlet. Sure. And, uh, you know, really, I mean, in, in both cases, and, and I guess in probably most situations where they use this technique, it's to reveal a greater truth. And, and of course, you know, there is that greater truth that we get to at the end of the, sure. of the episode. But I, I guess if somebody were to stumble upon this episode of The Librarians in isolation, and this is their introduction to The Librarians, I'm not sure it would necessarily pull them in. And I get that. I mean, the X-Files generally had one episode each season that was, I think you could legitimately say, it's kind of silly, but it was just a lot of fun. And, and in the most recent season of the X-Files, the, the last week's episode was like that. So fortunately, we're not looking at this in isolation. We've got the broader context, and there are a lot of little things in it that are really meaningful. And, mm-hmm. you know, I guess we'll talk about those as we go along. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like this one a lot. And, and as you said, it, it's uh, a nod to film noir, and, and we see most of it in black and white, or certainly the segments with Flynn and Eve when, when they're in the movie. And what I liked right away is that they are aware that they're playing other characters and know who they are in real life and that going back and forth. And as you said, you know, the meta aspect of it is really appealing. I'm still having a problem though. How did they get into the movie? I I mean, they just happened to sit in the two seats that were perfectly positioned on the lay. I don't know, but you know, we seem to always have one little nitpick like that. Whatever. Sure. Well, there's there's probably a couple things. That's why this will not get beyond an A minus for me. Though I definitely enjoyed it a lot, no question about it. But there's just a a couple things in here that I'm just like, well, why did that? Like, for example, why? Yeah, why did Flynn and Eve get zapped? I mean, obviously, narratively, is it really important? No, it's not. We need to get Flynn and Eve inside the movie and then because that's where the story is taking place so let's not waste a lot of time coming up with some convoluted reason why they're the ones who get let's just let it go you know i get that you know at the end um you know why couldn't you know jade's mother what was her name darlene danielle is oh e darnell uh when, if, she, if she knew that was her daughter, why didn't she just go introduce herself like years ago, right? Well, right, and you see her standing outside the movie theater, right? Yeah. Just With say, all hey, the people that were in line. I'm your mom. I'm your real mom. You know, like, <laughs> it's just, you know, like, you know, why all this had to happen for this mother and daughter to get reunited was kind of that, that eluded me. But uh, but like I said, that it it doesn't really matter in the end because it was just such a fun episode. It was so enjoyable, um, and really when it when it hits its stride, which I you know that high point is the fight scene where the the 
the librarians in their space outfits and Jacob in his cowboy outfit uh, intrude onto the fight in the black and white world, but they're still in color. And that was just amazing. It was just so great. So much fun. Um, You know, that really who cares about the nitpicks? You know, super enjoyable. It was a great episode. And uh, then I'm I'm starting to try to figure out if there's any significance to the fact that the three librarians find themselves in the cowboy film and then later find themselves in the outer space film. And, you know. Yeah. I think they're just trying to hit on, you know, kind of like checking boxes. Like we got to hit this movie genre and this movie genre and everything like that. Well, well, so. they are classics, you know, from from that era. I mean, the cowboy yeah. film. Uh, yeah, I, I would say the cowboy film is not as popular today, but that probably would not even be true to be to be honest. And maybe, yeah. maybe not Christian the cowboy film. Well, and what I was going to say is maybe calling it a cowboy film is not quite accurate. There's that Netflix series Godless, which certainly takes place in the West during that time, but I'm not sure I'd call it a cowboy show, you know, even though it's that era. Um, you familiar with that show? What show is that? Because you kind of skipped out a little bit. It's called, it's called Godless. Godless. Uh, I've, I've seen it, but I haven't. That's, that's, that's Netflix, you said? Yeah. It's like all the men uh, in the town uh-huh. are killed in the same day in a mining accident. Okay. And now the women have to take over. Ah, gotcha. So, right. I found out about it because one of the lead characters in Downton Abbey is one of the leads in this show. And, and to go from, you know, this proper British Lady Mary to like this badass riding a horse with a shotgun or a, a Winchester rifle rather <laughs> was, uh, uh, was pretty cool. But, um, you know, the cowboy film. One of the things that I loved was that we get to see Cassandra save the guys from being hanged by, sure. you know, shooting the, the, her Winchester rifle and, and hitting the ropes. And, I love the uh, good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. By the way, I thought she looked very comfortable doing that. Um, you mentioned mm-hmm. Jake's character playing the guitar and singing. And, and if you listen to the Christian Kane interview, you knew that that really was him singing and playing. And it, it's in the interview, he brings up the idea that uh, it's something that has been talked about over the years because we all know that that he, you know, is a professional musician as well and, and tours with a band from time to time and solo gigs and whatever. But that they've they've made the conscious effort to keep it out if it didn't serve the story. And you know, I, I think here it did serve the story, and I love because what what happens? Did you notice Cassandra when he's singing and playing? Yeah, she's like I mean, kind of really, bobbing along to the music. Well, uh, uh, yes, but I guess I looked at it almost like gazing on, as if she was smitten, which is certainly not something we would see in real life for the librarians. And yeah. then, of course, Jones is disgusted. <laughs> right. Yeah, what? <laughs> I, well, no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know the look you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about with the look. She's, it just, to me, it seemed like she was just like really super into the music. I guess it's because I have this like block that I can't see. Like, I, I, I know they're, they're not, well, I don't know, but I don't imagine that they'll ever do any kind of romantic 
sparks within between you know Jacob and Ezekiel and Cassandra because obviously that would uh, you know really mess up the the whole dynamic there. Um, so I guess I just saw it as her like kind of being like super into the song and kind of you know bobbing along to the music. But you know, I, but I, well, I, I, so that look I'm just saying that look could go either way easily. I, I, I get what you're saying. Okay, and I guess what, and I know I agree with you as well, but I guess I looked at it like this was them, but not them, and 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 I'm not saying that this is what she really thinks about Jake because I don't believe that, and I, I'm like you, I think she just looks at him as a brother, as she looks at Ezekiel as a brother, but then Jones, who's disgusted, I think I'm not sure whether he's disgusted that she's so into it. Or he's disgusted because they've got, you know, a, a mission to continue. But did you see him at the end? He plugs up his ears with his, uh, I guess it was his kerchief. The other thing, was there more gunplay in this episode than we usually see in the librarians? So, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, way, way more gunplay than I think we've ever seen in the librarians. You know, obviously, I could be wrong. Um, and that's if I guess if you take into account sure. the movies, that might not be true either. But this is still definitely a lot of more gunplay than we're uh, used to in the librarians. And um, but yeah, like in, in the western, it's you know it's all like that. You know, like they're shooting the gun out of the hands and things like that, or or shooting at their feet and things. You know, like as would happen. You know, kind of like in those old westerns where they never really showed anyone getting killed. Um, you know, people just get like shot in the back of the pants and they'd run off and things like that. Um, so, you know, I, I, yeah, cause, cause Cassandra was making a conscious effort. It, it appeared, as you said, to shoot at their feet, almost, uh, you know, going back to, uh, making them dance, if you will. Right. Right. So it's all part of, I think in a way, like, I mean, I don't know, like not to take it too seriously, but kind of like, just kind of like good fun and having fun with it and the the whole homage to the you know the old form there yeah yeah absolutely um and, and you know you mentioned the uh outer space film because of course the uh young librarians and and you know we'll, we'll get to this in a second they're told no stay here don't try and go in after them <laughs> well of course they don't listen right they get into the wrong film but fortunately cassandra knows these films and is able to you know help them through but then they end up with that magic door that i guess jenkins got them somehow and they end up in an outer space film and of course cassandra once again knows the film takes control of the protagonist you know it was really great and and i think you alluded to this earlier the the guy that's the focus of this episode the filmmaker seemed to produce pretty much b movies that were typical of that genre in the forties and fifties. And there are a lot of people that still consider that the classic era of motion pictures. And sure. while, while, you know, I, I <laughs> think there's classic films from all generations. I mean, sure, absolutely. I, I, I get that, that kind of uh, reasoning, but, um, but what, what we see is this whole idea that has been brought up in almost every episode about, a life outside of the librarians. So we see Flynn and Eve going to the movies, and in fact, he just can't turn it off, which you know is funny in and of itself. I mean, tonight was classic 
Flynn Carson. Yeah, definitely. His mannerisms, uh, the things he would say. I mean, there was that one point where he he's talking so fast. I thought Eve was going to tell him to slow down, but yeah. Um, well, she did kind of cut him off. Where he was like, yeah, you know, started talking about popcorn, and she's just like, no. Yeah, <laughs> and, and she tells him we, we we should just act like normal people, not a guardian, not a librarian. And I love he's like a librarian the librarian right <laughs> and i think we've talked about that maybe not this season of of the librarians podcast but at, at some point clearly he's not their equal the other three or or is he I well mean, he's he certainly doesn't think so sure but I, I you know when he said that i was like wait haven't we sorted this already is I thought they were all doing the the sharing librarian thing, that they weren't the JV librarians anymore, that they were full-fledged librarians. But I guess, obviously, uh, you know, Flynn still thinks of himself as the librarian and as the other three. I don't know what he considers them then. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he considers them still librarians in training, but who the heck knows? But uh, Eve is as excited to see these movies as <laughs> Flynn is excited about whatever it is he happens to be excited about at the moment. Found, Lost, and Looking, the James Desmond Wheeler classic film, and, and, and it's apparently one of five that he made, and she's seen them all. She's quoting lines in the theater. She's that obnoxious person, that, and yeah. I was glad they had the guy behind her you know, trying to shush her. I think it was the lady in front of him, but yeah, there's still. Oh, oh you're right, you're right. That's right. She kept turning around. Still, right. so, yeah, yeah, definitely someone turning around and be like, just shh. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and of course, this is then all of a sudden they just disappear. There's a flash of light. And then we're thinking, like, okay, we've seen the librarians enough. Are they in the screen? But of course, we go to commercial or, or, or pretty right. close to it. Because, well, yeah, the lady in front of them, uh, you know, the flashlight, she turns around, sees they're gone, and she turns and looks at the screen. And, and I don't know why she screamed like that. I don't know if the, the scream was appropriate. That's <laughs> like, yeah. I'd probably be more like, what the? Yeah. You know, like, but, you know, but I, I like the fact that the three librarians, they go to the theater, and the theater manager just, I didn't want to turn it off, so come with me. And, and what the heck is she probably thinking that in her theater there are these two people that she doesn't know who they are that have suddenly now taken over the characters from the film and of course she knows the film because it was her father that made it sure well she's probably thinking i hope the press doesn't get wind of this or well, maybe she's thinking i i hope the press does get wind of this either way you know well are you are you up to date on agents of shield not at all i haven't oh. watched it in like two months Okay, because Cassie, Cassie starts spouting off her theory about a power source, an intersection of ley lines, and it reminds me of this last episode when Coulson's trying to explain something technical, and he's like, I don't know. He moves rocks. Ask, right. ask Fitz. <laughs> um, and, 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 of course, I think even she says, well, was the theater built on an Indian burial ground, which, yeah. of course, is the, yeah, the classic. <laughs> yeah. But jenkins unlike the three young ones knows wheeler's films well you know one thing leads to another and they assume that it has to have something to do with a new artifact which is again a new 
plot point that I really like th- this idea that you know we're away from the traditional artifacts that uh, you know we, we've kind of grown up on in the three movies and the first three seasons. So mm-hmm. now there are new artifacts, and and as it yep. turns out, in in this case, to be the man's typewriter. But they now have to just figure out what the artifact actually is. What is it that you know sent them into the screen? Right. Which, should we ever figure that out? I don't know if we ever figure that out. Well, we don't figure out how it happens. I mean, okay. we, we, we figure out that the typewriter, because Jenkins goes with his little you know, artifact detecting device and starts scanning everything. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's, oh, this is it. Jenkins, and again, I, you know, he, he comes up with literal narrative transference, and, and he determines that we just have to let the movie play itself out. They have to act just as it was intended. The movie must end exactly as it's supposed to. And that's, I love the twist, that the last four pages of the script were rewritten. Right. So, you know, I, I love that aspect, that twist to, uh, to the episode. So, but, yes, screenwriters of the world unite, right? The ending, the correct ending is the one that the writer originally intended and not the one that got a, a shot, actually. Right. But I, I'm not sure what to think about Flynn. I mean, he's acting like a big baby, you know, in the screen. Uh, yeah. I mean. All right. Yeah. Well, he's just, well, look, you know, like, oh, you know, kind of like. A big baby. <laughs> I mean, look at all the things he's faced over the years. Yeah. Um, so in the grand scheme of things, this is not the most dangerous thing he's had to endure. Eve no. is with him. She's calm. She knows the movie. She figures out that their way out, you know, is to finish the movie through. Yeah. as Kitty and Mac. And, yes. And it was really a lot of fun to see them play those characters because as she even says towards the end, you know, I got a chance to play out a fantasy I've had since right. I was nine years old. So, and again, you know, every time something would get, I guess, with the... Uh, that, uh, you know, the, the sultry woman that comes into the office that keeps right. saying she's got, you know, a bungalow nearby. And, he's, <laughs> you know, finally, like, can it, lady? It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but just to uh, see them. Madeline Kincaid. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, well, you know, like, I think part of it is we, we know Flynn, his, the, it's the thing that he, that bothers him the most is confinement. Right, he doesn't like having to stay in one place at any one time, and here he is. He's stuck inside this movie. In fact, he's stuck inside this small set in this movie, and he's just totally frustrated. Well, Eve, on the other hand, as you said, is this has been her fantasy since she was a little girl, so she's kind of into it, you know. Well, that's a good point. I didn't really consider that about the the confining aspect, and and it really is pretty perfect. And I mean, eventually he does get out because they get in the car when when they're going to go to the uh, the casino. But yeah, that that certainly makes sense. I mean, not that he hasn't been confined before, but but still. And and this is of course when he asks if he gets a gun again. Like we said, I'm not sure we've seen. Flynn Carson with a gun before. I mean, maybe we have. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't really think of a time. And you could argue. 
And you could argue that this is not Flynn Carson with a gun. It, it's Mac. Uh, so, you know, there is that. But, but still, uh, meanwhile, all this is going on, and Jenkins and the three librarians are watching the actual movie on a television as they're trying to figure out how they can help. We need to communicate the plot to Baird and Flynn. They're trapped in the opening scene. But, of course, we know, well, she knows this movie by right. heart. Yeah. So... Yeah, and as it turns out, like they don't have to follow the the script slavishly because, um, you know, like when he ad libs and says that this is uh, you know Lady Gaga and Julius Irving the yeah. third, actually Lady Gaga Van Damme, he says, right, <laughs> Doctor Julius Irving the third, and so for the rest of the movie they call him you know Doctor Irving and everything. Um, so, and then he also says at another point, you know, there's kind of a formula to these things because he was like, oh, how'd you know to do that? He's like, well, you know, it's it's not like this movie is, uh, you know, is some kind of unique thing. It's a, uh, it's very similar to all other of movies of its sort. And there, like you said, there's a, there's kind of a formula that goes with it that's uh, not that difficult to figure out. Yeah. Now, yeah, I, I'm still not sure. I mean, we talked a little bit about the scene where uh, the three get trapped in the Western and right away we see Jones and Stone are about to be hung and, and Cassie comes to the rescue. But we didn't talk about the pink cowboy hat, the cute oh, short right. skirt again, yeah. which, you know, I mean, we certainly saw women in these Westerns back in the 50s, but certainly not in the kind of role that she was playing, which was the rescuer at this point. Now you could argue that the fact that she's rescuing them, she's looking entirely comfortable with the Winchester rifle. Fine. Then why dress her like that? Because that's Cassandra and, and that's how she would dress herself even to do that kind of a job. Sure. Sure. And, and that's fine. Yeah, fair. the pink hat was a great touch, I thought. Yeah, exactly. Now, we're still in the cowboy movie. They're sitting around the campfire. We talked about, you know, Stone singing and Jones. Stone, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and I'm not sure what he means by that. Does he mean we've got a job to do, which is very un-Jones-like? I, I think it's basically just like literally – what are you doing? Why are you singing? Where'd that guitar come from? You know, uh, he's, he's in the movie and he's feeling the part or, or being influenced by the part uh, that he's playing. And, and at this time, sitting around the campfire is exactly when the singing cowboy is going to pull out the guitar and sing a little ditty. And, you know, that's what happens. And, right. And, and of course they, uh, they're being shot at they find the magic door go through but now they find themselves in that old science fiction space film but stone is still dressed as a cowboy except that you know the antagonist recognizes him as the captain and i think even mentions the the, your your disguise didn't fool me (laughs) so i guess that's the explanation for why he's dressed as a cowboy when the others are uh, you know now in those space outfits yeah, but, I guess you, uh, you expect them to be in a motorcycle helmet with uh, silver glitter lipstick on. Exactly, which obviously Ezekiel had as well. Yes. The lipstick right. and the eye makeup. So here's the thing, and I know this is going to come off as 
very critical for all you Agents of Shields fans. But the cheesy make- makeup that they're supposed to be here to, to me struck me as being not very different from that makeup that uh, they've been using on Agents of Shields. Uh, they might not be doing it anymore. I don't know. The last time I watched it, they were still on the on the spaceship with the kind of the alien people who were all had their faces made up like the uh, you know like they just walked off a Star Trek set. So that would be the Cree, but go ahead. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Well, Daisy seems to get beaten up on a weekly basis. So uh, yeah, I was mentioning that in our podcast the other night that she must spend virtually all day in makeup, getting bruises and cuts put on her face and then uh, at the end of the day but yeah point taken um so i mean speaking of that i mean flynn gets roughed up uh, you know he, as you said he refers to himself as dr julius irving and <laughs> and the uh the other guy the Sh- shaz or whatever his name is yeah, oh uh, dr julius irving Iceman. no 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 Iceman is george gervin yeah he said technically george gervin was the ice man <laughs> yeah, yeah that so. was the funniest line in in the in the the show, it was oh my god! I I well, I've lost it when I heard that. I thought it was so funny. But it's only funny if you're a fan of basketball from the mid to late seventies to like maybe the mid eighties to right. really know who these these people were. So, <laughs> but, but still, we found it's it funny. A, it's just it's just a great joke. He just like fires it off like like he, like I I literally missed it the first time I saw it. And the second time I heard it, I was dying. I was laughing so hard. It was just, it was great. Well, well, the other thing that I found really funny in in the uh, scene, once we're back on the spaceship, is Cassandra knows this film as well, Brain Robbers from Planet Alpha Xenon 6. And she's really confident that she realizes what's going on until the guy tells them to take her to cranial cleansing block. And she's like, Oh crap. I forgot about that. (laughs) There's a slight detail. I forgot about Yeah. Yeah. And that certainly doesn't, uh, doesn't bode well, but we start getting the pieces put together. Jenkins is with the daughter of the filmmaker. You know, we talked about him scanning the items and finding out about the artifact and he figures he needs the original script, the original shooting script, so that I guess he wants to be able to figure out the exact time it was filmed or something, exact date, and that was going to help him make a call to Eve and Flynn. I'm, again, I'm not sure how any of that worked out, but it turns out that the script for this film was written by an E. Darnell that, that you, know, you mentioned earlier. You know, the daughter of the filmmaker says, oh, no, no, my father wrote all his scripts. Well, apparently not. Nope. And, of course, you know, the, the truth emerges from the end. Of course, and we get the love scene, right? Sure. And I think she even says, we've arrived at the love scene. Yeah. She's watching Flynn kick some ass, um, and she's watching seductively from the bed. But uh, I, don't, I don't know how many times he gets shot, but he, he certainly gets shot at, the, uh, at this point by Madeline. And they can't figure out. I mean, no, he doesn't it, get shot. He, he just, I don't think. Um, but. Well, well there, it's almost like they're in a, and I think he even says, we're, I'm in a loop. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like one of these time travel loops where you, you keep going over. And, and Travelers had the one with the, the skydivers. The, the, the Groundhog Day, yeah. Right. And you've got to figure out, well, what is it we're doing wrong so we can do it differently the next time around? Yeah. And 
And that's a, the point, you know, they're trying to figure what that, that thing might be. Uh, obviously, Jenkins finally manages to call them, tells them the ending was rewritten, got the magic typewriter, and they have to figure out, all right, so what is it that Madeline wants? And, you know, again, start putting the pieces together. What did Tony the Shaz take from her? Well, he took her Pearl, and it turns out Pearl was her daughter that nobody knew about. And Okay, you know, it all fell together very neatly at the end, but it's okay. It, it, was, it was good. I, I like the way they resolved that aspect. Sure, yeah. Well, and it, it tied in with the, the theme of the, 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 you know, the reuniting the mother and the daughter, which, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm not sure why that reunion didn't take place ages ago. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And, and certainly not even a day or two ago because we saw the, the mother standing outside, as I said, in the right. line of patrons waiting to get in. But all of a sudden, the three space librarians come through the magic door, start a fight. I love that they're in color. Everything yeah. else is in black and white. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, that whole idea that the movie mirrors what happened in real life and that uh, the hope was that somebody would put the clues together. I'm thinking like, all right, now well, we're pushing it a little bit, but I guess. And then, of course, we get to the end. And for Eve, it's the favorite date she's ever had. And I guess to a certain extent, she gets to see a different side of Flynn. And while she got to live out that, that fantasy from her childhood, she also got to see the man she loves in a different light. Not sure. necessarily a better light, but a different one. Yeah. Well, that scene where she's pulling the, uh, the bullet out of his arm, he's the first time, and he's going crazy. <laughs> I was just uh, so funny. Classic. Uh, a lot of chance for Noah Wiley to do, you know, to, to really, you know, let loose with uh, his comedic chops here. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of physical humor in the librarians. And, and I would say when Flynn Carson is in an episode, a lot of it is, you know, directed towards uh, his character. I mean, it's certainly not always true, but, you know, very often. Very often. I mean, whether it's his mannerisms, his, his you know, hyper uh, nature that, that you know, he has a difficult time keeping in check, I think, a lot of times. But a lot of fun, that's for sure. I mean, I don't think anybody could watch this episode and not say they enjoyed it. Right. Absolutely. Um, anything else? Um, I, yeah, I think that, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we're at the one third point in the season. And, you know, in, in terms of the overarching theme and Christian Kane talked about this a little bit in the interview, that, that one of the things that, that does get explored during the course of the season, and I, I don't think we've gotten into the real meat of this aspect yet, is that the question, do I want to do this for the rest of my life, be a librarian, that is. And mm -hmm. while Flynn has already made that decision, for the three younger ones, it's not as clear cut. So, you know, we're seeing that, you know, the little hints about, you know, doing normal things, getting away from the library, 
um, Jones tries to do it in the Christmas episode. You know, he just wants mm-hmm. to go home and be with his his mother and his sisters, and of course, uh, things go a bit awry. But it, and we haven't seen Jake Stone's episode yet, and, and that's obviously coming up. But you know, I, I like the way they're they're just throwing little hints at us that that this is something that we're looking at during this season. So. I'm going to stick with an A minus, I think, and it, uh, it sounds like you are as well. Yeah, yeah, solid, solid A minus. You know, the, the, there's some flaws there, but uh, you know, overall, the the flaws are well overshadowed by the the, the great parts about it. And um, really, like I said, like the, I mean, Vibrations is always kind of funny. Like, I mean, like it's usually like pretty fun. It's not like it's not always lighthearted, but it's usually. There, there's plenty of humor in it, and we've we've mentioned that before. Um, and this one to kind of be that lighthearted, just have fun with this one. I, I liked it a lot. It was a great, uh, great time. Right, and it's a great follow up to the Christmas episode. I thought sure. as well. So, all right, well, we'll leave it there for this one. Um, I, I did notice that one of the upcoming episodes, Lindy Booth directs. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't realize that. Well, 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 you let that slip by your interview, huh? Well, I know. I, you know, I'm not sure. It When I interviewed uh, both of them, it was before Christmas. So I, I think only two episodes had aired at that point, And I'm not sure Wikipedia had all the information up at that point. Hmm. That's that's my line, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Hey, that's, that's a lovely line. I like it. All right. So anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear what you think about the librarians, anything else going on in genre TV. And as always, there's tons going on out there. Uh, Join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next time to talk about Season 4, Episode 5 of The Librarians, titled... The Librarians and the Bleeding Crown. But until then... So, Dave, the last time my wife and I went to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know, she was complaining because she's a little tired. It was, you know, started at midnight and everything. And I turned to her and I said, at least you're not the one wearing lipstick. <laughs>